This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome, everyone. Today on The Joseph Carlson Show, Apple is about to report their quarterly earnings later today. We're going to see how they're doing. Keep in mind that these big companies like Apple and Microsoft, they have incredibly high expectations already baked into their price, meaning that portfolio managers are saying things like, there's just so little room for error. If Apple makes any mistakes, there's probably going to be a mild sell-off like we saw in Microsoft. Microsoft reported their quarterly earnings, and it was phenomenal. Every part of this business was growing. Every single part. Some parts of it are growing rapidly. I'm going to go over this report and highlight some of it in today's episode. But Microsoft nonetheless sold off a little because the stock had already raced up so much the month prior. So we're going to be looking at these quarterly reports. I'll be going over Microsoft's. Now, of course, we're also going to be talking about how to get rich and in particular media and code. I think that these two industries have unique attributes that lead to wealth things that other industries don't have. And we're going to be reviewing that in today's episode. So we have a lot to go over. Before jumping into that, I have to give a quick shout out to the growing number of Patreon members. I appreciate each and every one of you guys for supporting the channel. If you're able to support a channel, if you're in a position to, Patreon is a good way. So there's a content creator that you want to support. The best way to do that is probably through Patreon. I bet that's the preferable way because it brings stability. You have some income to rely on. You don't have to worry about the varying rates of ad rates or videos getting demonetized or anything like that happening. So if you want to support the channel, you can check out the Patreon. We also offer a lot of unique stuff like a Discord community, exclusive episodes, different websites that track your portfolio and so on and so forth. If you want to try that out, it's risk-free. There's a free trial. You can cancel anytime. It's a lot of fun. There's a link in the description if you want to give that a try. Now, having said that, let's go ahead and jump into the main subject. I want to talk about getting rich. And I know I've made a video on this very subject in the past called How to Get Rich Quickly and Easily. But this video, I was actually being sarcastic because I was mocking different TikTok gurus sharing get-rich-quick schemes like this. And I know trading sounds intimidating. Here's my strategy in a nutshell. I see a stock going up and I buy it and I just watch it until it stops going up and then I sell it and I do that over and over and it pays for our whole lifestyle. That's the type of TikTok advice I was mocking in that video, the kind of shallow get rich quick advice. But in this video, I actually do want to talk about getting rich, growing a tremendous amount of wealth in your personal life, as well as in your investment portfolio. And I want to focus on two different industries, two different things, media and code. And why specifically I think these two industries in particular are unique. They're not like other industries, and there's more wealth to be made in media and code than almost any other industry. So we're going to be going over that in this episode. Now, let me just say on the onset that when I talk about creating wealth and generating wealth, I focused on these two things for a very long time, both media and code. For the past eight years, I've worked as a programmer, mostly writing code, and that's been a really good career to be in. And I've more recently done YouTube, which of course is media, which is also a highly lucrative career if you're able to be successful at it. Both of these industries, both of these things are highly lucrative. If you're good with code, if you're good with media, you can make money personally doing those. But I've also done this within my portfolio. I don't think you should just focus on it within your personal work. I think you should focus on it within your portfolio. You might notice that when you look through my companies, my holdings, my investments, that they're heavily focused on media and code. My very top one in consumer 
is Disney. Disney, of course, is a massive media company. They own tons of media property, and now they're using code to distribute their media via Disney+. That is the new avenue for Disney. And then you also might notice that my second biggest category in my portfolio is tech and cloud computing. I get a lot of people asking me, Joseph, you're a dividend investor. Why do you put so much focus on these different technology companies, these different cloud computing companies, when they don't really pay the highest yield and you're mostly focused on dividends? Why do you invest in these type of companies? It's because I believe that it's critical to have exposure to code and companies that create code and create software. That is where a lot of money is going in the future. And although yields are small right now, because most of these companies are seeing rapid growth, I think those yields will be much bigger in the future as these companies become much more profitable and they pay out shareholders more and more. But I have a huge focus on coding companies like Apple, a hardware and software company, Microsoft, which is of course the biggest pure software company in the world. They have minimal hardware devices that are only an avenue to use their software. And then we also have IGV, which is an ETF that has a very low yield, but it's one that I still continue to build up my holding in because I think it's so important. IGV is not just a tech ETF. It's not just a generic tech ETF. It is a tech software ETF. So it focuses primarily on software companies Ones like Adobe, Microsoft, Salesforce, Oracle, Intuit, ServiceNow, Activision, Blizzard, Zoom, Autodesk, Snap, DocuSign, Workday, CrowdStrike, so on and so forth. These are all software companies. They're companies where their products are digital. Even outside of these specifically software companies like Microsoft or the IGV ETF, which is tech software, or Apple, which is hardware and software, I've continued to focus on both media and code. That's a common theme and a huge focus throughout my portfolio. We can look at the telecom industry. Why have I put so much more money in AT&T over Verizon? Well, the answer is AT&T owns HBO Max. That is a huge, valuable media property. They own Warner Media. That's another valuable media property. I like the media properties of AT&T much more than the media properties of Verizon. That's the reason that I'm invested more heavily into AT&T. We can even look into the video game industry. The video game industry in and of itself is a digital code-based industry. And throughout the past couple of years, it's been more and more updated to have digital downloads, digital content distribution, and it's largely a media and code-based industry. So even though I've gone through a little bit of a pullback in this ETF, I'm currently in the red, I think that eventually I'll get back in the green because of how quickly this industry is growing. So overall, it makes up a large portion of my investments, and it also makes up a big portion of my career and history. Working in code and working in media has been the two primary ways that I've made money. Now, the question you might be asking is, why do I put so much emphasis on these two things, both media and code? Why do I care so much about them? Well, I'm going to answer that now. It starts off with the concept of leverage. To help explain the concept of leverage and how it works with media and code, I'll be referencing Naval Ravikant. In my opinion, he's a genius. He's an Indian-American entrepreneur. He's invested in a bunch of technology company startups. He's generated a lot of wealth for himself personally, and he uses lessons he's learned to help other people. Here's his opinion on the distinct attributes of media and code and how leverage plays a big role in this. The most interesting and the most important form of leverage is this idea of products that have no marginal cost of replication. Right off the bat, he says that the most important form of leverage is products that have no marginal cost of replication. That is number one, no marginal cost of replication. What does that really mean? Well, he goes on to explain in a little bit more detail what exactly that means. This is the new form of leverage. This was only invented in the last few hundred years. It got started with the printing press. It accelerated broadcast media. And now it's really blown up with the internet and with code. So now you can multiply 
your efforts without having to involve other humans and without needing money from other humans. Products that have no marginal cost of replication means that you can multiply your effort. I can multiply what I'm doing without any involvement with other humans or without needing capital from other humans. And he gives examples of different products that have these characteristics. This podcast is a form of leverage. Long ago, I would have had to sit in a lecture hall and lecture each of you personally, and I would have maybe reached a few hundred people, and that would have been that. 30 years ago, I would have to be lucky to get on TV, which is somebody else's leverage. They would have distorted the message. They would have taken the economics out of it or charged me for it. They would have muddled the message, and I would have been lucky to get that form of leverage. But today, thanks to the internet, I can buy a cheap microphone, hook it up to a laptop or an iPad, and there you are, all listening. He says that this new form of leverage that has no marginal cost of replication, you don't need other humans involved, you don't need money involved, is a result of the internet. That's what made it so that we have this type of leverage. And he goes on to explain how important this type of leverage is. So this newest form of leverage is where all the new fortunes are made. So all the new billionaires. So the last generation fortunes were made by capital. That was the Warren Buffetts of the world. But the new generation fortunes are all made through code or media. Joe Rogan, making 50 to 100 million bucks a year from his podcast. PewDiePie, I don't know how much money he's rolling in, but he's bigger than the news, right? The Fortnite players, of course, Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Larry Page and Sergey Brin and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. That is all code-based leverage. So he says code-based leverage is how all these new millionaires and billionaires are being made. He talks about people like Joe Rogan, like PewDiePie, like Larry Page, the founder of Google, or Bill Gates, or Mark Zuckerberg, or Jeff Bezos. All these people are doing this on code-based leverage. They're using code in order to leverage their effort with no marginal cost of replication, leading them to become very wealthy. So when you look at your portfolio, are you looking at companies that might be combining their traditional business model with the new leverage of media and code? If we look at the example of Disney, this is a company that previously had media, they also had capital, and they had human labor. So they had different forms of leverage, but they weren't using code. When they used that type of leverage and they combined it with code, that is when Disney had the outsized returns. Disney Plus is an example of a product that has no marginal cost of replication. So when Disney had this product introduced, it was clear to me that they're going to have outsized returns because of it. They can now replicate their product, which is media and entertainment, in a way that has no marginal cost of replication and a superior billing model, which is monthly recurring revenue. So Disney's really the same company as before, but now they're using code to have that explosive growth of leveraging their business at no marginal cost. So when a company has products that have no marginal cost of replication, whether it be the Office Suite from Microsoft or Disney Plus from Disney, companies that have products with no marginal cost of replication now have added scalability, which means that they have an incredible amount of leverage. They can create one thing and sell it a million or a billion times. That's what Disney has been good at historically, but they've been limited by movie theaters. They've been limited by the box office. By using code and switching their business model from the movie theater, which is limited by physical locations, to now code-based leverage, which has no limit other than an internet connection, now they have a product that has no marginal cost of replication and is highly scalable. Now with media and code, even outside of leverage, they also have distinct advantages. One of them is called the network effect, which means that the more people use something, the more users a company has, the more difficult it is for individual users to leave that company's products. That is the network effect. If you're number one in network effect business, you win everything. So example, if you look at Facebook, right, your friends and family social networking protocol, who's their competitor? Nobody. 
because they want everything through network effects, which is why when people say, well, I can just switch away from Facebook, they don't realize that network effects create natural monopolies. They're very, very powerful things. And one of the dirty secrets of Silicon Valley is that a lot of the winning businesses are natural monopolies. Even ride sharing tends towards one winner take all system. Like Uber will always have better economics than Lyft as long as it's moving more drivers and more riders around. Something like Google, there's basically only one viable search engine. I do like DuckDuckGo, you know, privacy reasons, but they're just always going to be behind because of network effects. Twitter, right? Where else would you go for microblogging? Even YouTube has weak network effects, but they're still powerful enough. There's really no number two site that you go to to consume your video on a regular basis. It even turns out in e-tail, Amazon, Prime, and convenience stored credit cards and information creates a powerful network effect. When Naval talks about network effect and how this creates natural monopolies and it incentivizes users to continue using their platforms rather than going on to different competitors, I think of that as a moat. That's what Warren Buffett would describe as a moat, a competitive advantage that one company has over another. This is the moat for the 21st century. This is the moat for technology companies. It's having a strong network effect. So companies that have products that are largely digital, code-based or media-based products that have no marginal cost of replication, they're highly scalable, and they can employ massive amounts of leverage, and they also have a strong network effect, those are typically very good investments. So when I look at actually becoming very wealthy, getting rich in this world, I think that two industries right now that have a ton of potential are media and code. If you go into programming, you can have outsized returns. You can write one application or one piece of software, and even if you spent five hours writing it, it can be used a thousand times or a million times or a billion times. It doesn't matter how long it takes you to write the software, it matters how many people use it. So you can have a disproportionately huge reward for the amount of time you took to create that software. The same thing with media. If you start a podcast, if you start a YouTube channel, if you start Twitch streaming, anything like that, you can spend the same amount of time doing it and you can either have one viewer or you can have a million. It has outsized returns potential. Most careers today don't have that. You're limited by the amount of time and effort you have to spend and your pay is proportionate to the amount of time you spend doing it. These are two very unique industries because of the amount of leverage you're able to employ. And likewise with our portfolios, I lean into these type of industries and these type of companies because of the explosive growth they're able to have. Disney, again, having 100 million people sign up within 15 months, that is explosive growth and the result of leverage. No marginal cost of replication, highly scalable products. That's something that's completely unique to media and code. So I'm gonna be continually looking at these type of investments. Companies that can potentially have outsized returns by creating one product and selling it a million or a billion times. Those are the companies that can really have explosive growth. Now let's go ahead and move on and jump into some news. We have Apple that's going to be reporting their quarterly report today. So we're gonna hear back about how Apple doing. I'll give my take on that afterwards. My assumption is, is that they're going to beat. I think that they'll beat expectations, but I don't think the stock is going to jump higher because it's already, it's already priced with high expectations. We can see that just in the write-up from the Wall Street Journal. We see things like Apple is expected to report record revenue Wednesday for January. Record revenue. You know, this quarter they're expecting record revenue. And there's also people saying there's just so little room for error. So these companies have to perform well just to keep their stock price where they are right now. My assumption is that they're going to perform well. Microsoft, of course, already reported their quarterly earnings, and it was incredible. They beat on everything, top line, bottom line, every facet of their business is growing. I want to go through some of that now. Microsoft's report was so good that the Wall Street Journal is saying now, 
Microsoft can no longer fly under the radar. I've talked so far about how Satya Nadella has, he's kept Microsoft under the radar. They haven't had the same criticism, the same regulatory scrutiny as the other big tech companies. And now Wall Street Journal is saying that this can't continue on because they're going to become maybe the biggest company in the world. They could surpass Apple as the biggest. And how can they fly under the radar if that's happening? And I think that that's likely to happen. Microsoft is growing rapidly. Over the past month, even with the recent sell-off, they're up 8% over the past 30 days. They're nearing a $2 trillion market cap. So this is a massive company. It's getting closer and closer to Apple. And then if we look at the report, we can see the massive amount of growth with Microsoft. Let's go ahead and look at some of these numbers. The revenue for the quarter was $41.7 billion, a 19% increase. The operating income was $17 billion, a 31% increase in operating income. The net income was $15.5 billion. That's a 44% increase. So this is a profitable company, not one just raking in revenue, but they're taking $15.5 billion in net income. That's incredible. We look at the write-up from Satya Nadella. He also describes what I've been saying just recently in the last episode, that they're building out the infrastructure of the next generation. They're like the telecom companies of the globe. Satya Nadella says, quote, over a year into the pandemic, digital adoption curves aren't slowing down. They're accelerating. And it's just beginning. We are building the cloud for the next decade. Right? He says that right there. We are building the cloud for the next decade, expanding our addressable market and innovating across every layer of tech stack to help our customers be resilient and transform. So they are innovating across every layer of their company. And more importantly, they're building the cloud for the next decade. That's the infrastructure of the new generation. The Microsoft Cloud, with its end-to-end solutions, continues to provide compelling value to our customers, generating $17.7 billion in commercial cloud revenue, up 33% year-over-year. That's an incredible amount of growth in their core product now. We're going to go ahead and look at some of the details here. This gets even better. They're not just kind of scuffing the numbers and highlighting uh, you know, some of the big things, but different parts of their business is going down. Microsoft is growing in every part of their company. Office commercial products and cloud services increased 14%. Office consumer products and cloud services revenue increased 5%. So that was a small increase. That's probably one of the most minimal increases across all their product lines. LinkedIn revenue increased 25%. That's growing rapidly. A lot of people don't know that Microsoft owns LinkedIn right? That's the place that you go to find jobs. You can do professional networking there. They own LinkedIn and it's up 25% year over year, which by the way, is a faster pace of growth than Snap and Pinterest. So Microsoft owns a social media network that's growing faster than Snapchat or Pinterest. We can also move on to Dynamics. That was up 26%. If we go into if we go into cloud, server products and cloud services revenue increased 26%, driven by Azure revenue growth of 50%. Azure is growing 50% year over year. That is incredible growth. This is Microsoft, an almost $2 trillion company, and their core product is growing faster than most startup companies. Windows OEM revenue increased 10%. Windows commercial products and cloud services revenue is up 10%. Xbox content and services revenue increased 34%. That's a good growth, but that's kind of expected with the release of a new system, a new generation of console. We also have search advertising revenue, including traffic acquisitions, increased 17%. Surface revenue increased 12%. Microsoft returned $10 billion to shareholders in the form of share buybacks and dividends over the quarter as well. That's the report on Microsoft. 
every single part of their business is increasing and the biggest core parts of their business are increasing rapidly. So I personally do not see any reason to sell out of Microsoft. This earnings report was as solid as it gets and the little sell-off of 3% the next day, I don't understand it. I don't see any reason that you'd be less bullish on Microsoft today than you were three days ago. If anything is a shareholder, I can't see a good argument of why Microsoft is not a good investment today if it was two days ago. Every part of the business is growing. They're expanding their market share. They have a ton of cash. They're continuing to do dividends and share buybacks. And of course, their core products are growing massively. So this is a company that I'm a happy shareholder. I'm going to continue to dollar cost average into it. I bought another $500 of this company today. So that's the update on Microsoft. I'm going to be doing the same thing in a few days with Apple. I'll give you my thoughts on their earnings and what I think of the company's direction overall. But that's all for today. I'll see you guys next time.